In Africa and other developing countries, water is a daily and crippling challenge. Without water, you can't grow food, you can't build housing, you can't stay healthy, you can't stay in school, and you can't keep working. Children, especially girls under the age of 15, often bear the burden of walking miles each day to find water in streams and ponds, which is full of disease that makes them sick and their families sick. Wells bring clean, safe water closer to where people are living, cutting down on illnesses, and the time used to fetch water can be better spent on other things. There's five things that digging wells can help in these countries. The first is education. You know, education is critical for breaking the cycle of poverty, and yet over half of the world's schools lack access to safe water and sanitation facilities. Lack of clean water has serious effects on students' academic performance and attendance rates. Second is hunger. Relieving hunger begins with access to clean water. It may seem simple, but we forget that without access to a reliable source of water, food is hard to grow and, without, and even more difficult to preserve and prepare. Globally, we use 70% of our water sources for agriculture and irrigation, and only 10% on domestic uses. Third is healthy living. In developing countries, about 80% of illnesses are linked to poor water and sanitation conditions. And one out of every five deaths under the age of five worldwide is due to a water-related disease. Next is poverty. The lack of water is often an often insurmountable obstacle for helping oneself. Without clean water, the possibility of breaking out of that cycle is incredibly slim. And lastly, water has been long at the center of conflict in these countries. You can travel tens or even hundreds of kilometers without seeing a single water facility. And even that is not of good quality. Finding water is becoming increasingly urgent to ease the strain on local community tensions. Water is the source of many conflicts within nations and between them. And the causes of this conflict are complex, but one thing is certain. Water shortages raise tensions, and in turn, tensions make access to water more difficult. And the digging of wells can reduce these tensions. So today's sermon is entitled, Where There is a Well, There is a Way. Because wells can be a way to better education, relieving hunger, healthy living, less poverty, and less conflict in these developing countries today. Wells are one way to help the physical and emotional needs of the world. And this was also true in the time of the patriarchs. Without water, people could not have survived in the desert for very long. The lack of water took a physical and emotional toll on all living things. In our scripture this morning, wells will also take on a spiritual quality. Because of Isaac's obedience to the Lord, he was blessed with water wherever he went. Where there is a well, there is a way, meant that God was taking care of Isaac's physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. Physically, he had water for his family, for his flocks and herds and his crops. Emotionally, he didn't need to worry about him or his family dying of thirst or losing his flocks and herds to a lack of water. And spiritually, he could trust God to provide for his daily needs, knowing that the same blessing was upon him that was on his father Abraham and it was now extended to him. We will see that God's blessing is upon Isaac as he becomes very wealthy as a farmer and a shepherd. But his life was not without trouble. 
Some of his troubles were brought on by himself, and other troubles were brought on by others as he saw the blessing on his life from God. We'll see that conflict involving water this morning, as we study this passage, we'll see conflict involving water take center stage. And we'll notice that even though Isaac is abundantly blessed by God, his life is not trouble-free. And that brings us to the big idea that being blessed by God does not mean a trouble-free life. Before we begin our study of the scripture, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is among us this morning. I pray that your Spirit would move in this place and among those who are listening online. I pray that our hearts and minds would be open to what you want to say to us individually and corporately as Christ followers. Illumine us, teach us, and grow us to spiritual maturity through your word and through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. So three points this morning. The first is abundance, found in Genesis 26, verses 12 to 14. This is what God's word says. Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold, because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So the first thing we notice is Isaac's become a farmer. We don't know how long he's been in Gerar, but it's been long enough to plant crops and reap a harvest. What is significant is that it's the first time, at the first time that he plants, he reaps an abundant harvest on the very first time, and in that very same year. And he reaped this abundant harvest in the midst of famine that was in the land, which Pastor Stewart talked about last week. And he, he did all this because the Lord blessed him. This fulfilled the promise made by God back in verse 3, that if Isaac stayed in the land of Gerar, God would be with him and would bless him. He chose obedience to God over the attractions of going to Egypt. Now, there must have been a good source of water nearby for his harvest to have been so great. And he was probably using the wells that his father Abraham had dug when he was in the same area back in Genesis 20 and 21. In Genesis 21 25, it says this. We see Abraham complaining to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized from him. Next, we're told that Isaac becomes rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. A literal reading shows the repetition of the word great. And the man became great, and he continually became greater until he became very great. This is a picture of a person growing wealthier and more powerful because God has abundantly blessed him. But Isaac's life was not trouble-free. Last week, we saw that his troubles came because of his own actions. He lied about Rebekah being his wife, and that caused tensions between him and his neighbors. We weren't told specifically that they were upset with Isaac and Rebekah, but if you remember back in verse 11, Abimelech had to order the Philistine people to not molest them, or they would be put to death. So they must have wanted to harm Isaac and Rebekah for their deception. Second, his troubles came because of the blessings of God on his life. Because of his abundant wealth, his neighbors were jealous of him. You know, they had access to the same soil, the same sunshine, the same rain that Isaac did. But Isaac's hundredfold harvest was 
a lot better and greater than theirs. And his flocks and herds were more abundant. He had also accumulated many servants during his time in Gerar. And Isaac's neighbors did not appreciate how successful and how powerful he had become. And they despised him and his success. That brings us to the second point this morning, which is, which is animosity. We find this in verses 15 to 22. Follow along as I read those verses. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar, where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that he had dug, or that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham had died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with Isaac and said, the water is ours. So he named the well Essek because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one as well. So he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over that. He named it Rehoboth, saying, now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. So the Philistines are envious of Isaac, and they show their displeasure by stopping up all the wells that his father's servants had dug. And these were the same wells that Isaac had been using previously. He relied on these wells to water his crops, to water his flocks and herds, and to keep his family alive. You know, again, water was essential to his survival in that region. But think about how much the Philistines must have hated Isaac. By stopping up the wells, they wouldn't have access to the water either. It seems they just wanted to hurt Isaac and run him off their land. But then his troubles get worse as Abimelech orders him to move away. Now, Abimelech ordering him to move away suggests that he has the upper hand. But he also states that Isaac is too powerful for us, making his words more of a request than an ultimatum. Nonetheless, Abimelech's involvement makes the banishment more official. The fact that the Philistines and Abimelech are so focused on getting rid of Isaac shows how much the wells and the water were a blessing from God. The Philistines were probably not finding water in their own land like he was. Isaac was blessed by God, but that did not keep the troubles away from his doorstep. It reminded us of our big idea, that being blessed by God does not mean a trouble-free life. So we notice that Isaac moves away instead of fighting for his right to use these wells or take an offense. He simply obeyed their demands. You know, he had every right to those wells because they were his father's and the water should have been his. He had done nothing wrong, just trying to take care of his family, but he walked away when confronted and did not take offense when he was wronged. You know, God is pleased when his, pe when his people live in peace and harmony with the world. We see this in Romans 12, 16a and 18, which says this. Live in harmony with one another. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is the one's glory to overlook an offense. 
to overlook an offense is to take no notice of wrongs done against oneself, to refuse to retaliate or seek revenge, to let affronts go, and in a word, forgive. And this is what Isaac does here, and he'll do it again later in our passage this morning. That brings us to the first next step on the back of your communication card, which is to strive to live in peace and harmony with everyone and to forgive and not take offense when wrong. This is super important as we live our lives among believers and unbelievers. So we're told that Isaac moves and encamps in the Valley of Gerar, and he settles there. It was possible that Isaac had been living in the city proper, because in verse 8, Abimelech was able to look out his window, probably from his palace, and see Isaac and Rebekah caressing, which Pastor Stewart talked about last week. Now, if this is true, he may not have moved too far. You know, it may have been like moving from Carlisle or Gettysburg to here, to Idaville, moving from a town or city to its suburbs. He probably stayed close by so he could continue to use the wells that his father had dug when he was living in the area. And these were the wells that had been stopped up by the Philistines after Abraham had died. The Philistines didn't seem to care about the previous treaty made between Abraham and Abimelech in Genesis 21. The Philistines just wanted to control and claim all the resources of the land for themselves and not even use them. We're told that Isaac reopens his father's wells, that he gives them the same names that his father had given him. That's significant because he knew the names of his father's wells and he knew where to find them. He was making a statement that he now owned them as Abraham's son. We continue to see more evidence of God's blessing on Isaac as his servants dug a new well in that valley and they discovered fresh water. Some translations say springing water or living water. They not only found water, they found water from an underground spring instead of stagnant water from a cistern. And it would have been fresh water that would always be fresh because of coming from that spring. But we see that trouble was not very far away. The herdsmen of Gerar, seemingly having followed Isaac, quarrel with his herdsmen. They claim that the water from the new well was theirs. So Isaac names this well Essek, which means quarrel or disputed. Then Isaac again walks away from, from conflict. He dug another well, but the herdsmen quarreled over that one as well. And this one he named Sitna, which means to accuse to oppose, relating to the word satan, meaning, meaning opposition. It has the connotation of a formal complaint. It seems that the herdsmen of Gerar fought a legal, formal complaint against, against Isaac to seize that well as their own. And we notice a couple things here. God continues to bless Isaac because every well he dug, he found water. We see this, that the herdsmen of Gerar continue to harass him as he digs new wells. If these wells didn't produce water, there'd be no reason to harass him. He would have just continued to move farther and farther away from their land. Two, Isaac again and again takes the high road. He doesn't start a confrontation. He doesn't take offense. He moves on trusting in God to provide the water needed for his family, for his flocks and his herds. God continues to bless Isaac as he faithfully lived in peace and harmony with his neighbors. 
So after this formal complaint is filed against Isaac, he again moves on and he digs another well. No one comes to quarrel about that well, which means he must have moved far enough away from the land of the Philistines. They didn't need to harass him anymore. He names this well Rehoboth, which means room, open spaces, or enlargement. This name praised the Lord for ending the conflict and giving Isaac and his family room to flourish and be fruitful in the land. It's the same root word used in Genesis 13, 17, which described the breadth of the land. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> God told Abraham to look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. He promised that all the land he could see would be his and his descendants. Isaac and his descendants would possess all this land and would flourish and be fruitful there. Isaac's life was not trouble-free, but God continued to abundantly bless him over and over again in the midst of this trouble. <clears throat> Third point this morning, which is assurance. <clears throat> this found in verses 23 to 25. Follow along as I read those words. This is what God's word says. From there he went up to Beersheba. That, that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you, and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Now Isaac moves from the area where he dug the well Rehoboth to Beersheba. Beersheba was the same place that Abraham and Abimelech had made a treaty earlier in Genesis 21, 31. The words that night show how significant it was that he returned to his father's homestead. The Lord appeared to Isaac the same night that he returned to Beersheba. And he assured him that, the, that he was the same God that was the God of his father Abraham. This is the first occurrence of this title for God that will continue throughout the book of Genesis. The title reflects God's personal commitment to Abraham and fulfilling his promises to him and involving him in the fulfillment of the promise to bless his offspring, his offspring, and to, in turn to bless the world. He renews this personal commitment here to Isaac as he will later on with Jacob. God had entered into a personal relationship, not just with Abraham, but also with his descendants. The Lord also told, told Isaac he didn't need to be afraid because he was with him. Everywhere he dug a well, he found water because God was with him. God was assuring Isaac of his protection, provision, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. God also reiterated and reaffirmed the covenant blessing that, God, that Isaac would have numerous descendants. This covenant that Isaac was now part of was for the sake of Abraham, his father. Also God's servant. But it was not for anything that Abraham or Isaac did. It was because of the grace of God. And now it affirmed that Isaac was a true recipient of the Abrahamic blessings. The honored title, my servant, will also be used of the great leaders of Israel. Moses, Caleb, and Joshua. 
God appeared to Isaac after the troubles in Gerar. God appearing to Isaac after the troubles of Gerar would have been an encouragement to him. You know, just like it had been for Abraham. And God also speaks to us and encourages us today. Then Isaac did three things. The first one reminds us of what Abraham did in the past. He built an altar, and he called on the name of the Lord. He was following his father's footsteps, expressing his faith in the Lord. The altars built by the patriarchs were a grateful response to God coming and speaking to his servants. Baldwin says, worship, worship seemed to be the first thought. They heard and received God's word and gave themselves in adoration and worship, pledging their obedience. Then Isaac pitched his tent and his servants dug a well. These actions showed Isaac's commitment to worshiping the one true God as his father did and to make it his residence in the land of promise in obedience to God. In the midst of troubles, Isaac was still blessed by God. God proved faithful in producing water every time he dug a well, providing for the fundamental needs of Isaac and his family. And in gratitude, Isaac worshiped God, thanking him for his protection, his provision, and his blessing on his life. And that brings us to the second next step on the back of your communication card this morning, which is to worship God with thanksgiving for his protection, provision, and blessing on my life. This worship was not supposed to be a one-time thing. We need to continually worship the Lord for his protection, provision, and blessing on our lives. My conclusion comes from Wearsby's commentary adapted from there. He says this. In the Bible, wells sometimes symbolize blessings from the hand of God. When we become followers of Christ, some of the spiritual wells or blessings that we receive are the word of God, prayer, worship, faith, the power of the Holy Spirit, sacrifice, and service. In our individual lives or even in the church, we sometimes allow these wells to be stopped up by the enemy. The Bible is full of warnings against this. 2 Timothy 4.3 warns us, that there will be a time when people will not endure sound teaching from God's word. They will look for teachers to say what they want to hear. 1 Samuel 12, 23 warns us that when we don't pray, we're, we're sinning against the Lord. Malachi 1, 6 through 14 warns us about not offering our best in worship to God. Hebrews eleven six warns us that without faith, it is impossible to, believe, impossible to please God. Sorry. Luke 14, 26 warns us that we must be willing to sacrifice everything, even our father and mother, or even our own lives, for the sake of Christ. And Matthew 12, 31 warns us about disregarding the power of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the unpardonable sin. Matthew 25 warns us about not serving the least of these. And there the goats are the ones who did not serve the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, or the prisoner. And they were the ones who will go to eternal punishment. 
So we just had revival on the farm. We continually pray for revival here at Ottyville Church and for the Church Universal. Wearsby says this, whenever there has been a revival of spiritual power in the history of the church, it's been because somebody has dug again the old wells so that God's life-giving spirit can be free to work. We must evaluate our individual hearts and the corporate hearts of our church to see if any of these spiritual wells have been stopped up by the enemy. And if they have, we must begin to dig and reopen those wells. That brings us to the last next step on the back of your communication card this morning, which is to evaluate the spiritual wells in my life and the life of Idaville Church and reopen the ones that the enemy has stopped up. So as the worship team comes and leaves in a final song, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Most holy God, enable us through the power of your Holy Spirit to reopen those spiritual wells in our lives and in our church that Satan the enemy has stopped up. Help us to worship and thank you for the blessings you've given us. Help us to live in peace and harmony with our neighbors and to not take offense against those who have wronged us. For your honor and for your glory, amen. Amen.